Welcome to the Soul Center Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Master Healer Ariella Halevi and Rabbi Dr. Baruch Halevi, Rabbi B, your healer and guide on the journey of life. In this podcast, we will explore all things spirituality, meaning, and healing, from Kabbalah and the healing of your soul to shamanic energy work and the healing of your past, from ancient wisdom traditions to guide your spirit to modern tools to live your life. The Soul Center Podcast will empower you on your journey to heal yourself, discover your soul purpose, and live a soul-centered life. And now, on to the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our multiple podcasts. You've got Dr. Dan Franz and Rabbi B here, uh, hosts of the Meeting Project podcast, the Soul Centered Project, uh, Soul Centered podcast, and the Defiant Spirit podcast. All three of those between the two of us, uh, Rabbi B. It's it's great to be with you here again today. I know our last conversation was a lot of fun and hopefully uh, all of our listeners enjoyed it as well. And as we promised today, we're going to talk a little bit about our understanding of the meaning of meaning, correct? That sounds right on. I got to say, I got one email after our last podcast because I did put it out already and um, where I sent it to a friend and he said he really wants to hear more about male grooming habits at midlife. So you know. <laughs> We, we hit we hit a nerve out there somewhere. I don't know, but I guess we'll we'll put that off for another day, huh? Well, I am sure between the find more aging bald men growing facial hair. There there maybe we've got podcast. Maybe we should add a fourth. <laughs> well, we'll start with the meaning of meaning. How about that? Absolutely. Um, so I was pulling from uh, some multiple uh, sources, logotherapy sources in this. I don't know about you. um, Talking about meaning, right, or the meaning of meaning, is a tough uh, topic to pin down and define. It's almost as slippery as maybe love or consciousness. What do you think about that? Yeah, I feel like I'm back in college and uh, having a little too much fun and sitting around talking about the meaning of life, and you know, like anything that comes afterward is just like pontificating when you're 19 years old. But I think we can do we can drill down a little bit by coming to this word logos, right? Because mm-hmm. as you know, uh, logos is at the center of our work and our shared mentor and uh, teacher, Dr. Viktor Frankl. And to me, it, that's where we need to start because if we're logotherapist and we are, and somebody says to us, what's logotherapy, right? Already, I think we're struggling because I've seen in this great space of logotherapy, 5,000 different definitions mm-hmm. of what it is. And until we get clarity of what we do and what this is, I think we're going to continue to miss an opportunity to inspire people with the, the, the work of logotherapy. Absolutely. I think sometime in the past few decades, we, we got really um, fancy with ourselves and, and added logotherapy and existential analysis. I know in some groups, you, it's, it's abbreviated to LTEA, logotherapy and existential analysis. And I think to myself, my goodness, we, uh, we're not doing ourselves a favor in clarifying, are we? Um, and it's interesting, you bring up logos and in Dr. Frank, he will, he will say, you know, logos comes from the Greek for 
um, soul, right? And yet, if you ref- if you refer to Dr. Jordan B. Peterson's um, newer writings, he goes it back even to a biblical sense, um, right out of the book of Genesis, right? In the beginning was Logos, and, and Logos was the word, or something around there. I can't remember the exact quote, but I think that might be more your area of expertise. Um, it, it could have been, except it's from the book of John, I think, um, which okay. is uh, something uh, that I certainly can't speak to as a rabbi, since it's um, really a, uh, from the canon of Christianity. I can speak to it, um, not necessarily as a scholar of Christianity, but from what I do know about this particular verse, and I think it's a good starting point. Um, and then we can also look at really the parallels of it from the book of Genesis, because even though Genesis doesn't use Logos, Logos is, um, is Greek, and, and the Bible is uh, originally in Hebrew, as you know, but um, the, the stories are almost parallel. And I believe, I can't remember if I did read this about Frankel, um, but he certainly knew of the origins of Logos coming from the book of John. But he was a, a Jew, I wouldn't necessarily observant, but serious about his Judaism. And he certainly was aware of the parallels in Genesis. So I think it will um, kind of benefit us to at least start there, look at those contexts, and then see how it evolves. Uh, interesting story about uh, Dr. Franco and his, his Judaism. Um, I was uh, presenting, le- leading a discussion on man's search for meaning with a group of Christian men, a group of Catholic men, actually. And one of them, uh, a very well-read gentleman, looks at me. He says, you know, I think this doctor of yours, he may have been a closet Catholic. And I said, <laughs> no, no, surely that's, that's not possible. And here's his history. And we, uh, we, we debated for a little bit. And I said, you know what, I'll, I'm gonna, I'll look at that. But I don't think there's any links there. Sure enough, his second wife, Ellie, is Catholic. She is, yes. <laughs> and, and I had to go back and I said, you know, you, you got me there. You're right. And, and we started talking about some of the, the Christian undertones and the Catholic undertones as well. I mean, he was a very good mix. Well, he, um, you know, like any wisdom teacher, he speaks to people who they are, where they are on their terms. And that's the sign of a great person is that when you walk away, you feel seen. Right. And so when I mm-hmm. study logotherapy, I feel like people see it through the lens of who they are and, and every, and that's what I do love about logotherapy, you know, as a Jew observant Jew, they can relate to it as a, as a believing Catholic, as a secular person, you don't need to believe in God in order to benefit from this. And I think that um, that is really the sign of greatness. And so, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he, he talks often about uh, how each individual in his eyes, is moving towards in their own unique and individual spirituality, their own um, ultimate meaning. And, and if, if we want, I, I think this might be a good time talking about your, uh, the different people that can, can subscribe and agree with logotherapy, doesn't matter about religion or spiritual background, um, but as well as this idea of ultimate meaning. I pulled from, as I was going through some of my different logotherapy texts, right, uh, Dr. Joseph Fabry and Guidepost to Meaning, right? He was a student of, of Frankel's. And I believe, if I remember correctly, um, one of the main uh, instigators, one of the main reasons Dr. Frankel came to the U.S. And, and did so much work here. And right in the beginning of Guidepost to Meaning, now this might be a little long for me to read. I hope you don't mind. Um, the, the first subheading is, what is meaning? 
And of course, as I said, it's rather hard to truly define. Um, It's more easy to see meaning as an action than as a definition. It's a little bit ethereal, but he goes right into the idea that there are two levels of meaning. We have ultimate meaning and the meaning of the moment. And when we seek ultimate meaning, we are aware, um, even maybe somewhat confused, that there is an order in the universe and that you are a part of that order. If you are religious, you will see this order as divine. If you are a humanist, you may see it in the terms of laws of nature and ethics. If you're a scientist, you will see it. Uh, you will see order in the laws of physics, chemistry, astronomy, and evolution. If you are an artist, you may see it in harmony. If you're ecology-minded, you may see it in the balance of the ecosystem. Idea of ultimate meaning is is that idea that somehow we are connected to something greater than ourselves that we can glimpse an understanding, but that we don't fully understand. So I got into this debate, I get in a lot of debates, um, a, but with a, a very secular Jewish scientific uh, doctor. And we were talking about whether or not there's ultimate meaning, you know, call it God, call it whatever, like Dr. Fabry is talking about. I don't care what you call it, call it Bob. Like it doesn't not matter. It's <laughs> irrelevant. But I said to him, so is there anything you can call it? And he said, no, there's, there's no ultimate meaning. I said, so what do you feel when you go look at your children when they're sleeping? Like mm-hmm. you have a, like a three-year-old and a five-year-old and you see them all cuddled up with their little teddy bear and they're sucking their thumb. Like, what do you call that? You know what he said to me? <laughs> Serotonin. Uh, I thought, holy, you know what? Like yeah. those kids are going, well, first of all, you're going to wind up in therapy no matter what, probably, mm-hmm. but it's not going, to, it's going to hasten the process. I said, here's Dr. Dan's number. Call. You know. <laughs> right. Right. But that is, that is the reductionism that, that Dr. Frankel and logotherapists worldwide rail against taking such, I mean, such a, a beautiful moment and reducing it to the human biological response of serotonin. How and, completely and, sad. And so he's an extreme because most people I meet when they tell me they're atheist or agnostic, what they really mean is they don't buy into Santa Claus in the sky. Mm-hmm. Right. Or as a teacher of mine said, they start telling me a God that I don't believe in either. Mm-hmm. Right? The God that you don't believe in is a God that I don't believe in. And, mm-hmm. and I turn to, to Kabbalah, which has 72 different names of God because and none of them really are names there. Well, Moses turns to God in this moment in the Bible. Some of your listeners might remember. And he says, what's your name? And God's response is, ehia, ehia, I am. Right? And it's a verb. Mm-hmm. Like, it's an experience. It doesn't matter. You can't put me in a box. You can't label me. The moment you do, it's not me. So all you can do is experience me. You can call it love. You can call it light, like the mystics. What, it doesn't matter. But to me, that's where we're going with logos. Call mm-hmm. this thing whatever you want. It's the experience that I think we're all chasing. Right. I think too often it is human nature to try to identify something in a way that we can understand. And, and we oversimplify, we reduce, and we bring this thing, this ultimate sense of meaning, and, and we, we make a caricature of it, right? The great bearded sky wizard, the grantor of wishes, um, uh, all of these things. And it's, it's somewhat unfair uh, to minimize ourselves that way, right? Because that example you give, whether it's previously you know, climbing a vista getting to the peak of a mountain and seeing the sunrise or sunset 
there is great meaning there. Don't tell me that is just serotonin. There is something so much more there. Um, and, it, and it's almost unfair to our own humanity to reduce it to serotonin or whatever it might be. So that's, you know, the, this um, scripture from John 1.1 1, 1 for uh, anybody who's following along. It says, in the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. And that gets translated um, in oftentimes in um, into English as word, mm -hmm. right? But that's a translation, you know, like I always tell people, translation is political, and it's got agendas, and there's power involved, and you know, how you translate something means how somebody else gets to experience it. So I, I don't speak Greek, but I do know that it's not word, it's logos. And so if you kind of get rid of that assumption of a word, then all we have to go with at the beginning is logos is God. Like it's back to what we were saying before. It's not the name of God. It's that experience it's that experience I was trying to convey to that doctor, obviously not so well, because he still mm -hmm. said it was serotonin. And I was saying, no, that's logos. That's G-O-D. That's whatever, love, call it what you want. But whatever it is you're feeling when you're looking at your little daughter sucking her thumb and curled up it safely in a ball, that's logos. See with this, because this, this follows really well, right? Ultimate meaning, logos. Um, the meaning of life is inaccessible to you right? We can't define it. It's really hard. It is, it's like the horizon. You can strive toward it, but you will never reach it yet to be a yes sayer. Fabry talks about being it, saying yes to life. He calls them yes sayers. You have to pursue ultimate meaning if you can never attain it. In fact, you could attain it. If you could attain it and you could truthfully say, I know the meaning of life, you would be spiritually dead because there would be nothing left to strive toward. Ultimate meaning is a matter of faith, of assumption, of personal experience. Just like we were saying, you can live as if life has meaning and you are a part of the web of life, or you can live as if life is chaotic and you are a victim of its winds. Wow. Whims, whims, right? Which would you, it's a choice, you know, it goes back to what we talk about in logotherapy. We all have a choice. Every so don't, don't you see this when people come into you that <laughs> some people come in as a full cup, like their cup is full. And there's just nothing you can help them put into the cup because it's saturated. They have the answers. Obviously, they don't. They're seeking you out. And some level, they intuit that they need something outside of themselves. But my work oftentimes is helping them empty the cup. So there's something you can put inside it. And to me, that's what kind of you're just touching on right now, which is if you have all the answers, right, there's no place for ultimate meaning. Ultimate meaning is saying, I don't know. Right. Like I, I don't have all the answers. I am not God. I am not the source. That's that's as much as I'll say of, with with certainty. That's fine. Right. But that's there's an openness and an opening. Well, and I think that openness requires people to come to us recognizing they don't have all the answers or if they feel they do have all the answers, at least maybe some of them are inaccurate or incorrect. And that's why they feel the way they do enough to seek out a helping professional, right? Some of that cup has to, there has to be a little bit of capacity in that cup to add new ideas or as a logo therapist, maybe it's our, our goal, our, our duty to help empty some of that cup so it can be filled in other ways. 
Yeah, the uh, the word Kabbalah, the Jewish mystical tradition, is very simple. It, it, Kabbalah means uh, to receive. Wow. Right. That's all it means, and like um, that, that's the highest order of in this universe. And you know, you know that today's your wife's birthday. You should go uh, be with her, not with me. Happy birthday. Thank you. And I'll tell you, I did offer that opportunity. I said, look, at the very least, let's take a half day and, and go play hooky in which event I'm sorry, I would have, would have canceled with you, but she said, you know what works a little too busy today. Um, you know, I'm not going to be able to, but we'll do something this weekend. Um, now she did get a nice uh, bouquet of flowers at, at work. So that was the best I could do for now, but she will be home sooner or later. And I, I hear, I hear, I, I will be taking her out somewhere. Good. So, um, but back to the, you know, kind of giving her those flowers or giving anybody a present on their birthday. There's nothing worse in this world than giving something to somebody from your heart and it's not received. Mm. Right? Like you just to give somebody something and oh, thank you. And they put it down, they move on. And you know, I, and I'm guilty of this. I got four kids, mm -hmm. and I am certain multiple occasions they spent an afternoon putting together some piece of art that they handed to me and I forgot to look at. And probably I missed an opportunity to receive that, to receive them. Right. I, I think equal to that, that's such an interesting point. Those moments are so important. Uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit about Fabry's idea of the meaning of the moment. We, we have, you know, our days are made up of these moments where we can choose meaningfully. We can choose to behave meaningfully or not. We have that opportunity as well. And in this time of year in which we're recording this, when gift giving is, is so on people's minds, um, I agree with you. I think not only as a recipient of gifts, should we behave in a way that is meaningful to the giver, but that as a giver of gifts, we live in a world that has uh, minimized, consumerized, marketized gift giving in a way that it's too easy to go on a website and hit click send and get something shipped to somebody. And in this time, it's, I feel it's so important to look, um, whether it's my wife's birthday or the holidays or any other reason, to look for meaningful opportunities for gift giving or meaningful gifts. Well, you did a great podcast on um, love languages. Mm. And um, I just blanked on the author's name. Chapman. Jerry Chapman. Mm -hmm. So famous book, great book, um, that there are basic love languages and that the goal of life, certainly the goal of life should be to build relationship around seeing what other people perceive as love and giving them that, as opposed to me giving them what I think is love. And that's this kind of logos, this meaning, because um, to, to, to have this divine godlike meaning logos experience, whatever you want to call it means that I see you and I see what you need and I'm going to give you what you need, not what I need. Right. And that's the, to me, the transformation. And the, so there's two sides of this, right? There's the giving and there's the receiving and both, I think when both come together, that's logos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm about to do some logo, thera logo therapeutic ninjutsu here. Watch me turn this right around into what we're talking about. What you described is, is logo therapies is Dr. Frankel's idea of self-transcendence, stepping outside the self to love, truly love another as they are. And what he describes throughout his works is there is no greater act of meaning 
than to step outside oneself and that self-transcendent act to love another person. So we may not be able to define meaning, but we can, sh- we can surely describe what it means to get there. And the ultimate way is to, to love another person, whether that's through gift giving or going with Chapman's five love languages, time shared, words of affirmation, all of these other things. So when you said that, I started laughing because um, you're right. It's like we can't, we can't define love. I can't define the meaning. I can't define logos. I can just describe the experience. And I was thinking of the Chief Justice Potter's definition of pornography. You know that? Mm-hmm. It was, uh, in one of his court cases, he's saying, I-, I can't define pornography, but I know it when I see it. I do remember that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think, as good as we're going to get, not that we're wrapping up here or that we're letting ourselves off the hook, right? Mm -hmm. That's, you know, not going to be able to define logos. We're just going to be able to describe it. But you do know it when you (laughs) see it, when you're in it. Um, And to me, that's the most important thing. Like, I don't want to just have a clever definition. I want to have a meaningful experience. And I guess I I would just really go there because... um, I feel like that's really why I turned to logotherapy and decided to get trained in logotherapy because it's far less concerned about the system, right? And the tools and the language as it is about the meaningful experience. Right, right. It's interesting to hear you say that. I was was reading, so another student of uh, Dr. Frankel's, um, Elizabeth Lucas, uh, in one one of the sections I was reviewing for today, she talks about the idea that I think her estimate was there is over either seven or 800 different schools of therapy at this time, many of which are so focused on um, the, the techniques, the skills, the method, the procedure and all of that. And in my, in her estimation, but certainly in mine as well, logo therapy can fit into any of that because it is um, it's a great adjunct to any process because in regardless of your theory or your method we're all you know trying to do the same thing get through life and discover meaning so you know kind of then taking that and coming back to this what is logos what is meaning um you know it's a well as you know therapy therapia greek for healing and so it's whatever this logos thing is it's a healing experience Right. That's what logotherapy is, is a healing experience of this logo. So what is the logos? Again, it's this divine transcendent looking at your daughter, sucking her thumb as a baby mm-hmm. kind of moment. Um, it's also it's tying it back to. So that was John 1, 1 that I read from before. And then you look at the tradition that um, Frankel came out of that he knew when he read this, because anybody who's heard a little Bible knows John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word. And how does the book of Genesis begin? In the beginning, right? But it doesn't talk about the word. It doesn't talk about logos. What does it say? It says, in the beginning, or kind of translating the Hebrew, when God began to create, the earth was unformed and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the wind from God sweeping over the water. And God said, let there be light, right? So what's what's the reality at the beginning of the book of Genesis? It's darkness, And what's the first thing that's introduced to the darkness, right? How does God dispel the darkness? Light, right? So I have always understood logos from John 1.1 translated over to Genesis 1.1 and it's light, 
right? And so therefore, what do I do with that? Well, light dispels darkness, right? That's what logos is. What, again, we'll call it whatever you want. Whatever it is that dispels darkness is logos. And, and that and to me is what we're seeking. Right. And yeah, I was just going to say, if you take that a step farther, that is meaning that we're always seeking that it is on the horizon. We can't quite attain it and identify it, but we certainly feel it. And that goes back to logotherapy, Frankel, Fabry, everybody's uh, definition of, you know, we go from ultimate meaning, that, that meaning on the horizon, that interconnectedness with something greater than ourselves to, to a, an idea of meaning that is much more definable. And that is the meaning of the moment. Is it our choice moment to moment to moment where we can either choose to discover meaning and feel that, or we can choose in a different direction and, and all that potential for meaning to escape, whether that is uh, actually walking up the steps to go see that little girl sucking her thumb, sleeping and to feel that warmth about us or to not do that. And just be like, I'm going to choose just to go right to bed, <laughs> go to sleep myself. It is the choice of, of doing something for my wife for her birthday or saying, Oh, I forgot. Sorry. It is an important day. Isn't it? Every moment has the opportunity to choose meaningfully or not. And that leads us down that path towards ultimate meaning. And it's a good, it's a good distinction because if, and you've seen this or you've experienced this, if we set the bar too high, right. Mm -hmm. Which is, that's why Frankel hardly talks about ultimate meaning because you can't really talk about ultimate meaning. You know, I think he says somewhere it's, it's really only something you can understand retrospectively. Um, it's on the horizon. It is the horizon, like chase the horizon all day long. You ain't going to get there. Right. But, mm -hmm. but you know, if you, if it's dark out, and you can't get to the horizon, but you can flick, create a little spark, right? A little flame. You can see in front of you. Like I, I can't see the horizon, but I can see like in front of me. And if I can see in front of me, I got a little bit of light in this darkness. And that's all you need sometimes. I'm coming back to this imagery of uh, if, if logos is light and light dispels darkness, you don't have to have all the light. You don't have to have the sunlight. You just got to have enough so that it doesn't feel impenetrably dark. And maybe you've had this experience in counseling somebody, but there's what I call the light bulb or the aha moment where mm. you just say a word or they say a word and, or an idea. And it's like, you can just almost see or hear a light bulb or you don't hear a light bulb. Do you, you see a light bulb go off or you can kind of hear that like snap of the fingers. And it's hard to explain, but that's, that's logos. Yes. I, right. Not just logos for the client where the light bulb goes off, Logos help too. I don't know about you, but when those moments happen, I mean, it's a beautiful aha moment for me as well that I, you know, we may have been meeting for six or 12 months and it may be the hundredth time I've said the same uh, or introduced the same concept or maybe just said it a little bit different, or maybe that individual was just more receptive to it. But that instant, that aha moment, that light bulb, man, that's what we get up and go to work for. But that's a great point because it's not his or her logos. It's that would mean that, you know, you're creating logos that it's, it's up to them, but, you know, as Dr. Frankel and really at the center of logotherapy postulates logos is a thing. Logos is a, it's a, it, it has a life unto itself, right? Which is why it's contagious, which is why I can feel your logos going off, that light bulb going off illuminates my darkness because it's not your logos. You discovered the logos. 
It's amazing sometimes when we have these conversations. Those of you out there listening, I promise we we prepare maybe two or three minutes. But the idea, like you, you're just leading to so many things, and and I think that's just the connection we have here. But it's also the connection of logo therapy and meaning, right? Like when you talk about this stuff, when you when you buy into it and believe it and feel it as much as we do, uh, it just goes back and forth so well. You are so right. Like that idea that we cannot create logos for anybody. Logos is not something we create in a session or in a conversation or it's, it has to be discovered. And uh, two points to that. One is that discovery. How do we discover meaning? Um, I can't remember if it was Dr. Frankel or, or the good Dr. Graber, uh, one of our instructors at the Graduate Theological Foundation who came up with the meaning triangle. I know it's been around for a while and I use it all the time. There are three ways to discover meaning through, through our attitudes, especially our attitude through um, overwhelming suffering in life, uh, through our creative acts through what we bring to life, what we create, whether that's our work um, or, or works of art, and what we take from life in our experiences. These are three primary ways that we discover meaning. But uh, you, you're, you walked right into another uh, quote I have underlined here from, from Dr. Lucas, right? No therapist, counselor, or minister can tell a client or counselee the meaning of existence only by means of many examples can the healer demonstrate that every human existence has meaning in itself we don't we don't create it for people we help them discover it and that's whether somebody coming to to counseling or therapy for that or just finding it in their own lives through creativity experience attitude we all have that opportunity to discover meaning day to day and, you know, creative meaning and experiential meaning are awesome. And who doesn't want them? And I wish them for you and her wife, your wife on this birthday, and may she have many more birthdays of experiential and creative, but I can't guarantee those things, mm-hmm. right? Nobody can guarantee mm-hmm. the mountaintop moments and uh, watching your daughter sucking her thumb with her teddy bear, sleeping, all is right in the world moments, but you are guaranteed the darkness. Like one way or another, sooner or later, I can guarantee you it will grow dark in your world. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's where, and then coming back to this kind of Genesis idea, that's where logotherapy really charges me and challenges me to say, yes, I will find meaning on the mountaintop and I will create meaning in moments, but when it grows dark, can I go into that darkness and still discover light? And that's a tall order. Like, you know, you can't tell somebody to do that. You can't. You can help them find their way down in there. You can model it, which is why I do love Frankel, because he didn't tell me to go do this. He did this. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. He did this in ways that I just, God willing, will never have to. But he did this. And that's why I value what he did, because or, or what logotherapy is, because he did it. He showed us and as other great men and women have in other atrocities and dark moments in history. Um, and that's, I feel like the best of what we got to offer to show somebody the way to meaning, not to tell them. Absolutely. To guide them rather than to prescribe them. Absolutely. Um, it, it's ironic. We were, we were just talking about this in a men's group. I lead uh, just the other day. I was preparing to show them uh, Dr. Frankel's grandson, Alex Vesley, his his uh, movie about his grandfather's life, uh, Victor and I, beautiful, beautiful 
movie uh i think mostly for logotherapists because there are a lot of very strong european accents in there and you really have to listen very strongly but we were talking about that idea that not only did dr franco come up with this um as as a, a healing salve for his his fellow countrymen after world war one um, and, and, and the difficulties that were being experienced in Austria and, and the suicide rates. And he put those theories to work then, but then he had to live them through the concentration camps of World War II and in, in, in his three years there. And to come out, to come out of those human atrocities, some of the worst in human history, and, and to be able to continue in life and to be the man he was and to share these ideas that you know what? I went through some really terrible times, some of the worst in human history, and I still was able to turn those into achievement. That is something I, I encourage, the, not just my clients, but anybody listening. You're right. That is, that is the balance of life, light and darkness. There will always be dark times, and hopefully you can find light times. But in those times, in those dark times, maybe that's what brings the light, is turning that darkness into achievement, in, in discovering meaning in that darkness in that suffering i know we want to probably start wrapping things up but it's what a perfect uh message that you just gave for this time of the holiday season you know as we're recording this we're moving into the holiday season um and i love christmas and hanukkah for this reason because they share you know very historically different messages but very spiritually similar messages and i I think it's because the human condition intuits, at least in the Western hemisphere, that at the darkest time of the year, December 21st, the winter solstice, we need to symbolize our defiant spirit through lighting lights, right? That's why these are the holidays of lights. For Jews, it's the menorah, the, the candelabra, and for Christians, it's placing the uh, candles in the windows or the, you know, the votives and the tree and the house, etc. I don't care how you express it, but I think it's these primal, this human need to, to make a defiant stand, right? And say at the darkest time, we will go into it and we will illuminate light. And to me, this, if, if we're going to like, um, you know, sponsor, maybe logotherapy should sponsor a holiday. We should sponsor the holiday season, right? <laughs> <laughs> Brought to you by the Victor Franklin. Just, well, and it's funny. So we may not be able to sponsor a holiday, but logotherapy <laughs> ideally is getting its own statue on the West Coast someday. If you'll remember from your studies, Dr. Frankel said, you know, you Americans should... Uh, um, counter counter your statue of liberty, right? The statue of freedom with an equally and, and uh, as large on, uh, statue on the other coast, a statue of responsibility, right? And, and there's good meaning to be found in that, that with, with all the freedoms we have, whether it's the holidays or any other time, there comes a lot of responsibility, the, the ability to act in a responsible way that um, is yet again, another opportunity for meaning. I wanted to come back to suffering really quick um, you know, first, uh, so much meaning in this kind of culmination of all the work we're doing, right? Two, two logo therapists from different parts of the country, different histories, different spiritualities and religious backgrounds. Just you guys, we're totally riffing on this, right? Like this is not prepared and, and just all of the different, um, 
I mean, just these central ideas that you talk about coming from just human, the, the human experience that's been going on for thousands of years and, and how, no matter how you define it, what you reduce it to, what label you put on it, there are still some very universal themes that go on there. That's right. These are, you know, just repackaged in a thousand different ways. They say about uh, clergy, they got like five sermons repackaged in 5,000 ways. <laughs> and, uh, and I think the same is true with all great traditions, right? You look at Buddhism, you look at uh, Christianity, you look at Judaism, you look at these traditions. Uh, I, I was just on a, a panel with uh, a Sufi and we were talking about the Enneagram, which is another conversation, but um, it was like, you could just erase the details and we're saying the exact same thing. They're wearing different clothes. They, they look different, smell different, taste different, but they're the same thing. And that's what I find. I think we talked about this at the beginning. That's what I find so beautiful and powerful is when you find those commonalities, those universal truths, you say that that's logos right there. Absolutely. One of, one of those I was reviewing and I can't even remember why. Um, our, our discussion of light and darkness. I believe it was from Peterson. He reminded me of this. The, the symbol uh, of, of the yin-yang, the light and the dark, the male and female, that balance. Um, can't quite pinpoint where it came from or when, but I think it was somewhere around 4,000 years ago, uh, possibly somewhere in a region in China, right? So that idea of the balance of light and dark, suffering and achievement, discovering meaning goes back thousands of years we've just repackaged it in different symbols and different expressions and and here we are today talking about it maybe make a note of this i'll make a note when we're done that'd be a great topic because i think one of the things dr frankel did extremely well was remind us that if there's meaning in life there's meaning in death if there's meaning in light there's meaning in darkness um and we live in a society that does not like darkness right we try and illuminate the darkness through what I call false light. Um, and we really have to rethink our relationship with the, the darker part of the yin yang, the darker part of life, the darker part of ourselves, and not just kind of shove them away or avoid them, ignore them. And so that'd be a great topic, I think. I, I think that's that, that shallow positiveness, that sh shallow positivity of, yeah, you just always put on that happy face and get through it. Meanwhile, you know, logotherapy teaches us pain guilt and death the tragic triad that no human being can escape if we're not going to escape it it is an inevitability of life not to embrace it recognize that it's coming turn it into achievement turn it you know discover meaning in the darkness and you know it's 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 life and that's where you find meaning Somehow, I think when we do that topic, we're just not going to hit the top charts with that one. And we'd probably go further with toxic positivity, but there we uh, go. <laughs> but uh, we're not after ratings or we're after logos. So we'll have that conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I did want to squeeze in that tragic triad, right? Pain, guilt and death. We, we can't escape it. So we might as well learn how to deal with it. And, you know, when we do, um, again, another opportunity to discover meaning. So I don't know, Brother B, I'm not sure. I'm not sure we've defined a meaning, but we have danced all around it and identified a lot of key components about it. What do you think? If we have to offer a money back guarantee and get your money back for this. Uh, we didn't, we didn't deliver on the, the definition of logos, but I think we delivered on the spirit because I think to reduce 
logos to a word to a line would be um, a mistake and against everything that Frankel and logotherapy stands for, which is have the experience, right? And define it however you want, but whatever you do, have that experience. So that's my that's my hope and prayer for everybody listening is that this Thanksgiving, this holiday season, you have the logos experience. Absolutely. I, I don't think I could say it any better. I guess, uh, I guess I better get moving on to my wife's birthday because if I don't get, uh, get things in order, it, it won't be as meaningful as it should be. Sounds good. Well, thanks, Dan. I really appreciate your time and um, look forward to more of these. Absolutely. My pleasure. I can't wait for more. Uh, any of you out there listening, if you, uh, if you do come up with that ultimate uh, definition of meaning, please let, uh, let uh, B and I know and uh, you know, we can talk more about it. But for now, I think that's going to be where we, if you would like to, if you have questions, comments, or anything else to add, please, you are welcome to find me at danielafranz.com. That's D-A-N-I-E-L-A-F-R-A-N-Z.com. Rabbi B, where can we find you for questions or suggestions? Thank you. Uh, MySoulCentered.org. MySoulCentered.org. You'll find us. Love to connect with you and uh, grow our tribe together outstanding hey you uh we may not connect uh, between now and thanksgiving so you and your family have a wonderful holiday and uh i'm sure we will get on to some uh some meaningful conversation after that thanks brother peace to you take care You've been listening to the Soul Center Podcast with your hosts, Ariella and Baruch Halevi. If you'd like to learn more about Soul Center, please visit mysoulcenter.org. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at mysoulcenter. And if you found meaning and inspiration in this podcast, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. We'd also love to hear from you to connect with you. So please reach out to us. And until then, we wish you shalom, salam, namaste, and peace.